Hi there. Welcome to the Crypto Cafe with Randy Zuckerberg, where we embrace newcomers and experts alike to all things Web3, crypto, NFTs, and the metaverse. Uh, things are pretty crazy right now in crypto land. The, uh, the cafe is brimming with excitement and activity, if you will. Um, but one of the things that I think is really important to remember is that uh, even when a few players or a few companies are dominating the news and dominating how the the public feels about a space, uh, no matter what, there are incredible people that are building behind the scenes, that are building the future. And so I'm really delighted today to be featuring one of those incredible builders on today's show. We have Rebecca Liao, co-founder and CEO of Saga here with us today. Rebecca, it's a delight to have you on the podcast. Thanks so much for having me, Randy. It's wonderful to be on. And uh, because this is a kind of an audio metaverse, um, if we were in a real cafe, where in the world would we be and what would you be drinking? Oh, my goodness. Well, if I could be anywhere in the world right now, it would be Berlin. It's my favorite city uh, just because of the history and the art and the technology. It's a confluence of all the things that I love. Uh, And what would I be drinking? Um, Well, I love whatever a cafe does for their pour over. So whatever pour over they are offering, plus a little oat milk, that would be my heaven. I love that. I'm going to manifest you and I being in Berlin, having pour over coffee together (laughs) because nothing would make me happier. So before we get into everything about Saga, the founding story, what you're doing, uh, like, how are you doing right now? I feel like I have to ask that of anyone who's in crypto and Web3, like, how are you hanging in there? (laughs) Thank you for asking. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's one of those things where I've been in the crypto space for about six, seven years now. And so I've been through a few cycles at this point. And I think this year in particular has been hard because previously when there have been bust ups of projects and bear cycles, uh, that was because we knew the volatility of the space and it was very early. Um, you had a very, very niche group uh, of believers and builders in it. So we understood that there would be a lack of stability for a while. But I think this time around, crypto and Web3 had matured to a point where industry was beginning to really use it. And there was a lot of capital in this space, a lot of really talented people building here. And we had some really great projects that we thought we could believe in. And to see many of them go down this year, uh, not because they necessarily made bad business decisions, although you know those aren't great either, uh, but because of things like fraud, criminal activity, that's disappointing, obviously. It's very disappointing. Um, but I, I think ultimately, if there's a silver lining here, uh, it is. it reminds us of why it is we're in Web3. What is important to all the builders in this space? Why do we remain here when, I mean, frankly, we could be working elsewhere? And I, I think that all of these moments, including the collapse of FTX, really remind us as to what it is we should focus on and how we should move forward. Mm, for sure. What was your aha moment of getting into Web3 in the first place? So I would say it was around 2016. Uh, So I was working at an AI startup at the time called Globality. I was heading up business development there. And it was a really fascinating product. AI at that point was starting uh, to become a really usable tool, but still very, very early. Uh, Had an incredible time there. At the same time, I was working on the Clinton presidential campaign. Uh, advising on technology as well as Asia trade and economic policy. And 
uh, usually policymakers are not at the forefront of espousing new cutting edge technologies. Uh, but I was hearing so much from my colleagues about blockchain. And they were talking about this technology having the potential to revolutionize financial services around the world. So not just for uh, economies that already had really great financial infrastructure in place, but truly a global phenomenon. And I thought, okay, if they're excited about it, I should really look into it more. I just got fascinated. And it, after looking at all the different Rails that were already available for cryptocurrency, all the ways that blockchain and smart contracts could be used more generally, I thought, yes, I, I agree. This could be a true revolution in at least financial services, if not more spaces. And so I, I decided to take a leap of faith and um, left Globality to co-found SkewChain, which was my first crypto startup, focused more on DeFi. Uh, but I was there for four years and it was, it was an incredible journey. But that was my aha moment was hearing so much enthusiasm from people who didn't really think anything was terrifically wrong uh, with how financial rails were um, were set up, but knew that there were ways that it could be even better and uh, that blockchain would really be the vehicle for that. Mm. It, well, it's it's really exciting to to chat with someone who's been in the space for for a long time. What tell us about what you're building now and and how everything's going. Yeah, absolutely. So Saga, our tagline, um, is the next thousand chains in the multiverse. Uh, so what we mean by that is we um, want developers in Web3 to get their own space. Having your own space in Web3 means having your own chain. And so Saga is an infrastructure layer that allows developers to automatically launch their applications onto dedicated chains. And all these chains speak to one another, and that's how we form a true ecosystem. Uh, I think that as we look at more and more users coming into this space and more developers coming in, blockchain has to get better in terms of the quality and performance of its infrastructure. And previously, people were content to build on what we call monolithic chains. So these are the Ethereum's, the Solana's um, of the world. These are massive chains where a lot of applications share block space. It leads to congestion, high and variable gas fees, and really, really low performance. So in order to fix those issues, you need to get onto your own chain, but that's been very hard to do. You imagine the kind of effort that Ethereum, Solana, and the like had to undergo to get their own chain. What we're doing is allowing developers to automatically launch their own chain. So we take care of the security layer for them. Um, so they get that high performance environment that they're looking for for their applications. It is gasless. Um, all the fees are entirely determined by the developer. And we think this overall experience will really unleash the kind of creativity and utility that developers are looking to bring into Web3 multiverse. Mm. First of all, that's I, I think that's maybe one of the coolest taglines ever, the next thousand chains in the multiverse. Um, if, we, if we were regrouping a few years from now on this show, what, what can you imagine or, or what are your dreams for some of the use cases that, that people use Saga for? So we are focused on gaming and entertainment to start with. It is a general platform, but we feel that gaming and entertainment is where 
uh, this infrastructure is truly needed. So where we see gaming and entertainment taking off is yes, in NFT collectibles. So for those in-game assets or for those um, art NFTs or music NFTs that are sort of standalone NFTs or parts of collections, yes, those will have utility. People will enjoy owning them, trading them, et cetera. But what we're super excited by is empowering the creative energy of these developers and the artists behind the NFTs. Uh, I think if there's anything that social media platforms like like Meta, like TikTok, um, like Twitter have taught us is there, um, there are creators out there that studios are probably never going to hear about and may not have the wherewithal to pick up. But there are creators everywhere that are producing great content. It is about reaching a community, building that ecosystem, and doing it with authenticity. And what we're seeing is those people who are creating, they want to ultimately have control and ownership over what they create. It's a very reasonable expectation. And it's only really in Web3 that you can have that sort of ownership and control. And so ultimately, yes, we are enabling uh, the ability of Web3 games and our projects to uh, mint those NFTs, trade those NFTs, proliferate them. Uh, but it really is about that decentralized generation of content. Um, so that's what we're aiming to achieve in the metaverse. We do have a few DeFi projects on Saga as well, some social projects, but we think of all of them as sort of supporting this bigger vision of the decentralized generation of, of that intellectual property. We're here in the Crypto Cafe with Rebecca Liao, co-founder and CEO of Saga. I'm your host, Randy Zuckerberg, here in the cafe. And uh, just imagine that you're with us in Berlin uh, having delicious pour-over coffee. Um, Rebecca, you mentioned entertainment and gaming. And uh, I, I think the, those are two really important industries to bringing the masses into Web3. And I know that's something you're focused on a lot. You've said that you know, in order for Web3 to really achieve adoption. We have to reach a billion users. Um, so how do we do it? Because I, I feel like, you know, I'm with you. I, I feel the promise <laughs> and the enthusiasm and the excitement. But how do we bring a billion people into Web3? I think we have to make it as easy as possible for the builders. Because without the products that are going to be easy to use for the users, the users aren't going to come. And so we we need to enable the builders first and foremost. And that's the philosophy that we've taken at Saga is we need to make it as easy as possible for developers to get onto their own high performance spaces. And so you know we we just had a product meeting this morning uh, where we ran through some sample games and the tooling that is available for Web3 game builders right now is is not wonderful. It can be improved um, because it borrows a lot from legacy crypto user experiences where you got to have a wallet, you got to connect this and that, you have to have a certain amount of tokens in order to be able to transact. It's just, it's a long process, even if you are familiar with all the steps. Now, obviously in Web2, the user experience has already advanced far beyond that. So it's a question of how do we get blockchain to improve to a point where we can not just be on par with what Web2 users already expect, but do better than that. Um, so it really comes down to the infrastructure, the tooling that's available for developers. And honestly, you know, Web2 was built by developers. Web3 is built by developers. In addition to writing software code, they are great entrepreneurs. Once they have the tooling, I think they can come up with wonderful business models, 
wonderful new use cases and ways to take gaming and entertainment forward to something that was not previously possible without the blockchain technology. Mm. I, it's you're right. It's really exciting. And sometimes I, I feel like I have a push and pull of wanting to onboard more people into Web3. But like you said, like the, it's just not quite ready for, for people <laughs> to come in yet. Like it's, it's still a little bit of a sketchy neighborhood. <laughs> well, it's um, it's sketchy and it's difficult. So um, would you really fight to get your way into a neighborhood that's a little iffy? I mean, that's the proposition right now. And I think for those of us who are risk takers and who really believe in building the space, uh, you know what? I-, I would actually do that. I would I would make the effort to get into that neighborhood. But you're absolutely right that for most people, it is entirely reasonable to look at that and sort of, you know, just keep walking. We don't want them to keep walking. We want to make that neighborhood really attractive for them as a place to be and and to meet other people. So, yeah, there's there's a lot more work for us to do in the industry. I, I'm also interested in some of the um, the the challenges and the successes that you feel like you're facing a building in a bear market right now because i i've lived and i've built through several bull and bear markets and there are really tough things about it but also uh, some positives about living through a bear market so i'm curious your thoughts as as you're uh building this company yeah absolutely um so we are very fortunate uh, to be in a space where there is a lot of building happening. I think for people who are squarely in DeFi, it is a tough time right now. Um, but for those of us who are looking at gaming and entertainment and Web3, there's still uh, a good amount of capital. Uh, people are pretty well resourced and they're still uh, building those products that will ultimately get released maybe next year or the year after. Uh, and so this, there's still a lot of activity happening in the space, which means that a lot of business is happening in the space. So the ecosystems are growing, more projects are being onboarded onto layer ones like ourselves. Uh, we're engaging in partnerships at a really regular cadence. And so there's a lot of activity happening, uh, which which is wonderful. I will say that overall, what what people mean when they say, bear markets are for building is in a bull market. And you know this, Randy, because you've been through it. It is just, it is chaos. Um, Wild West. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Every other minute you have a shiny object in front of you. And if you don't chase it, you get a terrible sense of FOMO. That is what a bull market is. Uh, And so people are just chasing after things, whether a project actually has you know, legitimately good technology or a great use case is not as important as its ability to create that speculative fever. Uh, and so it's, it's a very different kind of market. And obviously, you know, we're grateful for world markets. Don't, don't get me wrong. But I think in there, um, people are forced to really think about whether their products have true utility uh, and whether they will gain adoption. How will they gain adoption? What is the true use case that's going to be killer? Uh, and so you really get down to first principles that ultimately build the strong products that are going to ride into the bull and then bring that industry to the next level. So right now we're we're fortunate to be in that building phase where I think most of the decisions that we're making are um, decisions that will prove to be good for the long term. Mm. And um, speaking of of exciting things, you have a brand new innovators program that you've just announced that I'd love to hear more about. Yeah, we 
Our, our innovator program uh, is really the heart and soul of Saga. Um, so, you know, obviously there's a core team at Saga, but we're really all about our innovators. So we launched the Saga Innovator Program in May. Um, that's when we announced our seed raise. And uh, we opened up 55 slots for that innovator program. Now, what is an innovator? An innovator is a project that is building on Saga that we believe is bringing something really new and innovative to Web3 gaming and entertainment. Um, and so we uh, filled that first cohort September 8th, uh, which is also when we launched our Alphanet. Um, because of the demand, we opened up a second cohort of the Innovator Program right away. We weren't anticipating to, but uh, we went ahead and opened it up. And uh, right now we have doubled the number of innovators building on Saga. So we have 110 projects that are building on Saga. And I think we're going to continue to keep those cohorts going um, for the foreseeable future. So 55 every time we, we may up that number depending on the market demand and resourcing. Uh, but that that is what uh, the innovator program is. Now, what does it mean to be an innovator? So obviously you get the technical resources, you get access to our test environments, uh, as well as our engineering resources to talk about integration, uh, but you also get a lot of business support. So we do a lot of co-marketing on behalf of our innovators. We do a lot of ecosystem collaborations, a lot of cross-promotion. Um, we also uh, will facilitate any sort of introductions to potential investors. And so I, I hesitate to call us an incubator because we're quite, not quite that full service, uh, but our mission is to support these innovators and make sure that as much as they're a part of our ecosystem, that they can generate their own ecosystems and grow. Mm. I'm curious, um, Rebecca, who do you who do you admire and look up to in Web3? Like, who do you learn from? That is a great question. I mean, there are so many, um, but I, I will call out a few individuals uh, who are fantastic. Um, so Vitalik, I really admire, and I, I've admired him since the first time I met him, but I think over time I've begun to really appreciate who he is um, because not only is he obviously brilliant uh, and not only has he contributed a lot to this industry and our understanding of blockchain, but he is genuinely a good person and he's remained very grounded and humble. And um, especially now, uh, given all the blows that have happened and all the sort of cult leaders that have come and gone, it's just really, uh, really special to see somebody like that. Uh, I, for his drive um, and his um, his intensity in building up a project, I do admire Sandeep at Polygon. I think he's fantastic. Uh, on the Cosmos side, so Saga is, is built on top of the Cosmos stack. Um, Zaki has been wonderful. Zaki Mannion, uh, he's actually my co-founder um, at SKU Chain and uh, an advisor at Saga. I advise his project was a sommelier protocol. It's a DeFi startup. And uh, he is truly community-minded. And um, Cosmos is, is not the easiest ecosystem to wrangle, uh, but he does his absolute best. And he tries to listen to everyone and, and come to a consensus on viewpoints. And so from, from each of those leaders, I, I learned something a little different. Um, the ability to lead but be humble, the ability to be really intense, the ability to listen to your community and really cater to them. I think those are all really critical components of building a successful Web3 project. Mm, those are great, great examples and and certainly uh, really 
influential and uh, leaders in the community. Um, I want to spend a minute talking about the influential work that you've done in politics outside of Web3, because um, I, I think it's just it's so cool how you're, um, you know, you're advising several different presidents, foreign policy, all kinds of things. So, so talk to us about that. Oh, thank you. Um, it's it's been an honor of a lifetime uh, to advise on these campaigns, and I you know I, I always say that um, I'm really built for the campaign. I don't know if I'm built so much to uh, serve in an administration because a campaign is like a startup. It is nuts. It is twenty four seven. It's just, it's a very high intensity, fast paced environment, and I really love that. Um, the federal bureaucracy, not so much, but. Uh, but on these campaigns, you know, the the purpose of um, giving policy advice uh, is to really shape what policymaking will look like in the future should the candidate win. And this is where you have the ability to not just recommend things that you believe strongly in, but also to discuss matters uh, and to experiment almost with um certain things that you think are, are not getting so much airtime in the policy world, but should be. Uh, and so serving on these campaigns has been a tremendous experience. And um, one other funny thing I'll note is uh, I I did not think that uh, all the experience that I had operating a campaign would necessarily transfer over to Web3. I knew that my policy experience, the um, ability to talk to policymakers, policy ideas that I had with respect to crypto and Web3 regulation, that would definitely transfer over and be useful. But uh, the process of working on a campaign uh, was really informative as to what a DAO should do and what it shouldn't do. Um, Because at the end of the day, a DAO is in many ways a political experiment. It's a political entity. And some things we can invent uh, and and bring about in, in a really exciting way other things have been tried and true. I mean, there are some political principles that uh, are have stood the test of time, um, regardless of the form of government. Uh, and so um, transferring those ideas and those instincts and skill sets over, that's that's also been a pretty fun process. Mm. I, I love all the parallels between how a campaign is like a startup and uh, you're you're so right. And it's uh, it's really um, it makes a lot of sense when you draw those parallels. But uh, thank you for the the important work that you've done on those campaigns um, on a slightly kind of like a personal funny topic. I'm curious for any of us who work in crypto and Web3, like I I feel like maybe we're in for some awkward family gatherings this holiday season <laughs> with like cuz crypto is so polarizing right now. Like how, so how do you talk about it with your family? Do you keep your mouth shut? Like what how do you keep it from getting like too chaotic? Yeah, so I I think it's um it's fascinating because Having been in the space for so long, I'm sure you remember this as well, Randy, that in the early days when somebody asked us, well, what is blockchain? Inevitably, every single explanation or sales pitch would start with, okay, this is how Bitcoin works. And I'm like, honestly, when you're trying to explain a a normal application, say a Web2 app, you're not talking about how TCP IP works. Nobody cares. Uh, But because it was so highly technical and that was what we had to hold on to, that's what we focused on. And I think there's still some of that today. Um, so I, I mean, I was back home for Thanksgiving, and uh, my parents are both really well informed on the business world. But even they were like, "So tell us about this FTX thing." 
um, what did it have to do with Bitcoin? And I was like, not, not really anything. Um, and they said, but I still don't understand. How do you have money that's not backed by anything? And, and I thought, okay, uh, even though their daughter uh, has been in this industry for seven years, uh, it's it still completely blows their minds. Uh, and so there are certain first principles that I think we just we we don't discuss them, um, not because <laughs> they're nefarious or bad, um, but just because it makes it so much harder to understand what crypto and Web3 is all about. And so now what I'm really excited by is that you can start talking about these really concrete use cases that are much more business and consumer oriented. Those things people will definitely understand. And so for, for anyone who's going home and having potentially these you know, long drawn out, semi-awkward family conversations, I would focus on that. What good can Web3 do in the world? Why are so many people working um, in it? Why is it that a member of the family, somebody that they love and trust and know uh, is spending 24 seven working on this space? I, I would focus on those things as opposed to um, more of the tech or even the the crypto heavy side. That's such great advice. Rebecca, in our final minutes together, I'm just curious, um, as we go into a new year, what are some of the things that are capturing your attention and, and some of your hopes and dreams for Saga? Well, it's it's going to be a big year, 2023, because you know we're at Alphanet right now. We'll have a new release coming out early in the new year, and then our mainnet launches late summer, early fall of 2023. So mainnet launches is when your network goes live, and obviously that that is a huge event for any protocol. Um, but what I'm super excited by is is really seeing this journey um, reach a high point. Uh, we're never quite going to reach a destination because I, I promise you, once Mayna comes out, you'll see that a lot of the features that we're already talking about, um, they're going to be in successive releases of Mainnet. Um, so it's it's a really long process that we're going through. But what I'm excited by is all the new innovation that our team is creating. I'm excited for our partnerships. Uh, we're, just, we're so fortunate to have wonderful partners in the gaming and entertainment spaces, as well as some of the big technology leaders in crypto and Web3. Uh, and I'm excited ab for the most for our innovators. Um, I think the the best moments of my day are when innovators in, in our um, so a private innovator chat, they share good news about their projects. You know, I just launched an airdrop or um, we just released this feature or we just landed this partnership or I just worked together with this other innovator at Saga on this project and it turned out really well. Um, so we're all about empowering these developers. I mean, honestly, Saga has no reason for existing. These developers aren't happy in using our tools and really seeing them grow their businesses. So when I hear good news like that and that there's more to come, that's what gets me out of bed every day. So a lot more of that to look forward to at Saga. And then for the industry as a whole, I think 2023 will be a time of healing. I know that macro conditions are still a little shaky, but I, I really do think that after all these shocks in the industry, people are finally more certain of why it is we're in this space. And um, that will be their compass for building in 2023. Well, I love that. It's you're certainly helping me to end uh, this year on a really positive note, hearing from incredible builders and entrepreneurs like yourself. Where can people go to learn more about Saga and you and, and connect with everything you're doing? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so if you would like to learn more about Saga, our website is saga.xyz. And um, all of our social handles are on there. So definitely follow us across our social media channels because that's where you get the latest news. 
if you are interested in connecting with me personally, I, I am still very, very open. I know that um, there may come a time when um, security concerns get to be a bit much, but for the moment, I, I am very, very open. Uh, you can find me at RebeccaLiao.com, uh, and my Twitter handle is just Becca Liao, uh, and I look forward to hearing from all of you. Wonderful. Thank you so much for taking the time to join us in the Crypto Cafe today and uh, one day in Berlin. <laughs> Thank you so much, Randy. It's a pleasure to be with you. Thank you. Congrats on all your success and uh, look forward to, to hope to see you in real life soon. Thanks so much. And likewise, happy holidays. You too. Wow. Isn't Rebecca so impressive? It's it's really incredible to hear uh, from an entrepreneur and founder who's so knowledgeable, who's been in the space for a while, who is still so enthusiastic and passionate about the promise uh, of Web3. You know, I, one of my biggest takeaways is that it's so easy for some negative stories and a few bad players to dominate the news. But again, I've seen this time and time before in industries that, you know, anytime one bad apple is dominating the news cycle, there are thousands of incredible people who are building behind the scenes and and building to make everything better. So Rebecca Liao is certainly one of those. I encourage you to to follow her and, and check out what she's doing. Thanks so much for joining us in the Crypto Cafe today. I encourage you to check out some of our other episodes. We uh, have now interviewed on this show experts at the forefront of NFTs, of different kinds of tokens, of um, thought leaders on where the industry is going, the metaverse, Web3, what's happening with the FTX crisis, anything you want to know about Web3 and crypto, we have likely covered on this show. Thanks so much. I'm your host, Randy Zuckerberg, and I look forward to coming back to you with a new episode very soon.